Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my Mad Grab for Power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. I'm drinking ramen. That seems appropriate. Yeah, because I'm going to Japan starting tomorrow. So, I mean, actually, it's probably inappropriate because I'm going to get way better noodles there. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely. But when I say I'm drinking ramen, like I have it in a mug and everything. Are you going to wrap that up? Mm. I can hear you delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm not drinking anything right now. I had a nice cocktail earlier with some girlfriends. Oh, uh, what'd you just, have? I had like a, a Manhattan, um, Love you know, Manhattan. in honor, in honor of the final episode of uh, Watchmen, of mm. course. Gotta have that Manhattan though. Did you um, have it doctored? <laughs> it was doctored. Uh, uh, by the way, if you haven't watched Watchmen yet, please do just a perfect season of television in my mind. Hmm. I don't, don't listen to whatever, whatever, whatever Justin Robert Young says, don't listen to him. (laughs) I I don't even know what he said. I just feel like he said something based on comments on Twitter that I'm going to ignore. He definitely did not like it. That is crazy to me. He is a huge fan of the comic book. So... It's it's him. It's this is that thing, right? Where it's what you bring into it. That's there's nothing intrinsic in something that makes it enjoyable or not. There are things that make it more likely to be more enjoyable to more people. But he brought into it expectations from his love of the comic book that weren't met. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't argue with his point of view. I think the same thing is going to be going on with Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. With with who? With him. Or with, with the you? world, with the world, Not with any any of us in particular, but uh, it it's only got fifty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow! All right, but I'm... I've seen it. You did? I saw it in a preview, thanks to my wife working for Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and uh, I loved it. No, that was great. So yeah, yeah, mm. takes takes all kinds, takes yeah, all does. kinds. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> no, you are. You do you, Tom? Exactly, exactly. That's actually what I feel. You do you. All right, let's let's uh, hop into the quick burns. Ken Lee uh, posted that there's a great piece in today's New York Times magazine on Chinese sci-fi focusing on an interview with translator Ken Liu. And what I like about Ken Lee is he not only allowed us to know about this piece, but rather than just having us tell you about it and that's it, uh, pulled out a couple of interesting factoids from it. Mm-hmm. For instance, Liu was confronted by what seemed like fundamental problems with the narrative structure when he was translating. Right, that didn't quite make sense. He proposed a change to the three-body problem to help make the story clearer, and Liu Xixin agreed. So he's translating this person's work, goes, you know, I found something wrong with your story structure, and the author said, "Eh, yeah, you're right, let's change it in the translation. Yeah, it was. this is a great piece. And I don't think it's spoilery to say that um, Liu Shikshin um, wanted the book to go that way. And 
I don't know how much is spoilery to talk about in the book, but there is a, a very important scene that happens in the beginning of the English translation that originally was supposed to be, or in the Chinese version, was in the middle of the book. And oh, they did that to get it uh-huh, past uh-huh. Uh, Chinese like regulations. And basically, like they were worried it wouldn't be published if that first pivotal scene was in the very beginning. So they kind of hid it in the center of the book. Um, to escape notice. I think it's fair to say that it is a more historical scene. Yeah, it has to do with the Cultural Revolution. Yeah, and so and so, therefore, putting it in the middle of the book means it's less likely to draw attention to itself, whereas right mm-hmm. at the beginning, a censor might open it up and go, well, hold on a minute. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so when um, when Ken Liu was, was reading it, he was like, this makes so much more sense to be in the beginning. It's so much more powerful. And Liu Shixin was like, yeah, you're right, totally. I agree with you. This is how it was intended. I just had to make this change. Let's do it that way. Yeah, um, and now says that it makes it so much more of a powerful story that way. Um, so really super interesting piece. Uh, definitely. Thank you, Kenley, for for sharing it uh, in the quick burns, because I think it's it's a really uh, very informative and educational and interesting piece about um, Chinese sci-fi and, and the the, you know, how it's becoming much more prevalent in American sci-fi culture, which I think is great. Article is called World Collider and How Chinese Sci-Fi Conquered America, depending on where you read it. It has alternative ah. titles. Interesting. Um, Ian says, uh, over from Tor, the SFWA names Lois McMaster Bujold science fiction grandmaster. So congratulations. Oh, it's about time. We, we love Lois. That's great. That is really wonderful. So that's the um, science fiction writer's uh, what does the A stand for? Association? I think it's association. The Science Fiction Writers I've Association. I've gotten it wrong before. So uh, <laughs> it's the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. Writers of America. Oh, somewhere John Scalzi is grimacing at me. <laughs> I just, I'm not sure why it's John Scalzi. Uh, sorry, Mary Robin at Kowal is probably scowling at me now because oh, she is the, the current president. Yeah, every, everybody's scowling at me. Every grandmaster. That has ever lived. Is every scowling. president, every yeah. previous grandmaster, scowling. Uh, but this, this, like William Gibson was the grandmaster, I think, last year. And so at the Nebula Awards, uh, he presided and, and was honored. Uh, and so that'll happen for Lois McMaster Bujold next year at the Nebula. Yep. The Nebula As well as will many be... other things that, that she will be doing. So many good stuff. Yes, the uh, the Nebula Awards will be held uh, May 28th through 31st, 2020, down in L.A. Shad uh, posted that volume four of the Stormlight Archive is now available for pre-order with a release date of November 17th. At first, when Shad posted this, this is how responsible Shad is, uh, he wasn't sure how firm the date was, and then he found a tour confirmation and edited the post to say, yes, confirmed, November 17th is the release date of volume four of the Stormlight Archive. Fantastic. Uh, Jan says Deadline is reporting that Game of Thrones' showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are set to produce a movie inspired by Hans Rodinioff's graphic novel Lovecraft at Warner Brothers. The graphic novel explores the idea that Lovecraft's imaginary horrors were not imaginary at all and were haunting the author throughout his bizarre life. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad he was haunted by horrific things. From the pits uh, of hell and beyond. Yeah. Um, but at first, I thought this was Lovecraft Country. And I'm like, isn't that already be? Oh, right. No, this is a different thing. Uh, and if it's at Warner Brothers, does that mean it becomes a Warner Brothers film? It's a movie, right? Mm, Produce a movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It is a film. So it'll be a Warner Brothers film. Got it. Uh, Robin posted about the new Witcher trailer. 
I've never posted here before, and I hope I'm doing this in the right spot, but there's this on tour.com. I watched it, and it was amazing, and now I want to watch the show. Uh, Yes, Robin, you're doing it right. Well done. Oh, I'm so excited. Two more days. At at time of recording, two more days until the premiere of The Witcher on Netflix, and I could not be more stoked. I am ready. I am almost finished with godforsaken Man in the High Castle, so I can move on to a new show, and... Sorry, I say Godforsaken Man in the High Castle because it just feels like it's never ending. I know you're very passionate about that book. I know you are a great you're, fan. I, I'm, I'm surprised that you're farther along in the series than I am. I mean, this is well past the book at this point. I've, yeah. I'm only a couple episodes in myself. Oh, I'm almost done. I'm I've been almost... kind of saving it for the plane ride. I'm going to download it, though. Okay. Um, it's actually pretty good. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just tired of being depressed. It makes okay. me sad. It makes me I depressed. Mean, that's not really a spoiler since the whole series is, is it's about Nazis. I feel depressed a lot watching that show. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What do you want from me? Uh, the next quick burn is what I want from you. That's all. All right. Mark says there's a cover reveal for the follow-up to Sam Sykes's seven blades in black. It's called 10 arrows of iron. The designer was Lauren Panapinto and the illustration was by Jeremy Wilson. It looks awesome. Yeah, it's almost got, I want to say like an Art Deco-y kind of feel, but it, there's there's more rough edges than that. Art Deco's cleaner, but it's this kind of cutout feel with the the clothing and the and that little air, the arrows, and it's cool. It's cool. You just got to go look at it. It's way better to look at it than to hear me try to describe it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Terp Kristen uh, wrote Jim Butcher's Peace Talks will be published on July 14th, 2020. This will also be the 20th anniversary <gasps> of the Dresden Files. That is one week before my birthday. Which will be, of course, the 20th anniversary of Veronica's birth. That's, yes. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Actually, we can't say that. Then all these, uh, what are you drinking, become illegal. <laughs> I'm just very cosmopolitan. I'm European. <laughs> yeah, what do you want right. from me? There you go. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, everyone, for posting over on the Quick Burns. Always appreciate it. All right. Bear your sword. Our feedback from the audience. Benedict says, my current to-be-read list under my bed, man shrugging, uh, it's a beautiful collection of lots of great books there. I saw some uh, Robin Hobb. I saw a lot of Brandon Sanderson. Um, I had to look upside down because the picture was upside down on Twitter. (laughs) Um, But let's see what else we have here. We got some V.E. Schwab. Um, we've got some, what does that say? The Institute Cage. I don't know that one. George R. Martin, A -hmm. Night in the Seven Kingdoms, Terry Pratchett. The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. Mm -hmm. Oathbringer, Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. That is good stuff. That is a solid to be read list. Absolutely. Thank you, Benedict. Uh, and then Steve says something that I, I don't know how to read. Is he it says, French? It's French. It says Christmas tales for everyone, uh, skull and crossbones and Santa emoji. He's now reading Pere Pocher. Pere Pocher. Pere Pocher. Father. Uh, father. Pig father. Hog? Pig, yeah, hog pig, father. It's hog, hog father. father. Oh, it's hog father. Pocher. Oh, right. <laughs> I get it. Um, and there's father, a great cover. Father pig. Yes. <laughs> I can't read French. So I'm not going to even try. Um, ah, shash, sassoon, se de Noel. No, I don't, I don't know how and to say it. Totally can you say it? <laughs> uh, I can make an attempt. It's probably not gonna be any better than yours, though. Ah, chassoon, se con de Noel. 
Christmas tales for everyone. Yeah, I like it. Good stuff, Steve. And then uh, Rob Zach, a.k.a. The Roborator, says, Super proud of Sword and Laser members who have joined together to donate just less than $5,000 on our World Builders team page. And it's not too late to join us, uh, fundraisers.worldbuilders.org. And actually, at the time of recording, um, we are well over that. We are at almost $5,500. So keep it coming. Um, I'm very interested in defeating my friends over on the uh, XOXO World Builders page. Uh, they're a little bit ahead of us, about $3,000. I think we can can defeat them in One our of you's in got our $3, mutual you can just throw in our builders. in our mutual quest for good for doing good on World Builders. I will destroy them. Also, the world builder, builder's goal of $500,000 has been crushed in part thanks to you. Which who, is amazing. Unless you didn't give, in which case it's not too late. Go do it. It's not too late. Um, if you were going to donate to our Patreon this month, thank you. Send it to World Builders. Yeah, that split, would be the, awesome split too. the difference, something like yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. That would be amazing. All right, let's let's wrap up our book pick of the month. But first, Tom, do you want to talk about uh, what your pick for January is going to be? I know it's a bit early in the month, but give people a head start. Yeah, uh, because we're going to have a holiday break and we're, we're actually probably not going to have a new episode of Sword and Laser until a little later in January, uh, just because of the way dates and schedules work out. I uh, wanted to give everybody an even earlier heads up than usual that the January pick will be in the Company of Others by Julie E. Cherneda. She's a Canadian author. Uh, the book came out in 2001. It won the uh, Aurora Pre Award, uh, which is, uh, or, sorry, Pre Aurora Award, which is a Canadian award for science fiction and fantasy in 2002. Uh, this came out of a long thread of way too many good things. If you want to go just look at the thread of people suggesting what the January pick should be, you'll increase your reading list once again, because uh, there's there were so many good ideas there. But I picked this because it's a little bit old, but not super old. We've done a lot of super old. We've done a lot of super recent. Uh, this is about 18 years old. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's an era that we haven't touched on in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And it sounds like a great standalone novel. It's not part of a series either. I know sometimes first books in a series turn people off. And it is about uh, a fungus that spreads out among the colonies of Earth, stranding colonists in orbit. And Earth won't let them come back because they're afraid of, of contamination. So this character, Gail Smith, goes from Earth to one of the stations in search of a reported survivor, hoping that she can find a cure for the infection. Oh, interesting. I don't think we've read many um, fungus-centric novels before. Uh, the Southern Reach novels come Shoot. to mind. But that's about <laughs> it. A lot of fungus in the, in the uh, yeah. Does we did, did we, was The Expanse a pick? Leviathan Wakes. Yes, we did. Uh, we did Leviathan Wakes as so that uh, is a as a pick. You but you could that, call. I don't could know you call if that it was fungus a fungus. Centric? I guess it was a fungus right in the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. fungal. It was fungal like, but it wasn't in fact. But I guess that's the same thing. This is fungal like. It's not. It's an alien thing. Well, I am. I am comfortable admitting that I was very wrong with that statement. No, I thought you were pretty right. I was like, oh, the, the Vandermeer books are the only ones I could think of, but you're right. Leviathan Wakes too. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Who knew? It was a, it's a, it's a, it's a, not only a, two. it's a genre. <laughs> it's a fun, science fungus. Oh my God. There, well, there's their title. <laughs> science fungus. <laughs> All Perfect. right. Shall we get to, uh, some, uh, book of the month discussion for, uh, Hogfather? Yes. 
I really enjoyed this book. I, I had a feeling so I would. I mean, so good, good pick. We we enjoy we enjoy the occasional Terry Pratchett around here. Um, I just found it to be very endearing, um, and funny and sweet and smart. And I listened both to the audiobook and read the book. Um, so I I kind of had two different ways of experiencing it. I actually wish that I had done the full audiobook instead. Uh, because I really found myself listening and laughing to myself in public um, with some of the quotes, mostly from death, uh, sometimes from Susan, but mostly from death uh, in the particular. The performance is so good. Too. So good. Just yeah. really great. Um, so that made me, it, it made me happy. It made me feel like in the spirit of the season. Mm-hmm. And there were so many great quotes. Uh, I was like actually on my own time today looking up quotes because I wanted to have like a good list of of ones to to remember and share. And then uh, they actually made a thread on Goodreads. Um, it was uh, by Ian. And he started a thread uh, about since this is a Pratchett book, I think we need to keep track of our favorite quotes. Um, and then he writes from the first couple of pages, the quote was, We took pity on him because he had lost both his parents at an early age. I think that, on reflection, we should have wondered a bit more about that. (laughs) Right, because uh, I think he may have killed... I'm calling him Tea Time. Tea Time, I I don't want to play into his his narrative. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, John Taloni had this passage. You can't give her that. She screamed, it's not safe. It's It's a a sword. sword. Oh, yeah, you do that. Okay, it's a sword said the Hogfather. They're not meant to be safe. She's a child, shouted Crumley. It's educational. What if she cuts herself? That will be an important lesson. <laughs> this incidentally was my favorite quote. Uh, that, that passage had me cracking up. That's so good, yeah. <laughs> that will be an important lesson. <laughs> uh, was Suzanne liked, uh, human beings make life so interesting. Do you know that in a universe so full of wonders, they have managed to invent boredom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. Also, ho, ho, ho is another good one. Ro- ho, ho, ho. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of really, a lot of really great ones. So good. So good. Excellent picks. Um, and then there was another good thread uh, from Trike. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This one was from Christos. Um, he says, I love Discworld's version of death. He is my second favorite version of the character after the Sandman version, then after the Supernatural TV show version. And Trikes has a big list uh, of his favorite deaths. He says, I do love the Supernatural version. Talk about a badass entrance. There is a link to a YouTube clip. Uh, death on Family Guy is always fun. That was one of my personal favorites. Death on Family Guy is a really good representation of death. Uh, but Trike says, my favorite probably is from Dead Like Me. And then in books, the Black Rabbit from Watership Down was an interesting slash disturbing version of death. Uh, I quite like the death from the Sandman comics by Neil Gaiman. And I did read a sample from Scythe and put it on my to-be-read list. That version looks cool as well. Nobody mentioned the Grim Reaper from Monty Python. Mm. The meaning of life. Uh, The Grim Reaper uh, shows up and uh, it's the Salmon Moose. (laughs) So, Mr. Grimm, so you do reaping. I can't remember the exact quote, actually. That's wrong. But it's it's hilarious. So I'd throw that one in there uh, as well. And in fact, Salmon Moose gets a call out in The Hogfather, uh, which I think is a is an homage to Monty Python's Grim Reaper as well. Hmm. Um, I learned from Hyena uh, that Deadpool also dated death. 
as a lady. And Thanos, uh, according to Tamahome, um, dated death as well. So that happened. <laughs> Dating death. Seems like it might be complicated. But I guess if you're Deadpool, it might be okay because you're kind of like indestructible. So maybe it wouldn't be as weird. Oh, I found, the, I found the right Monty Python quote. Okay, right. Um, I'm ready. It's Gr- Grim Reaper shows up and says, I am the Grim Reaper. I am death. And then Jeffrey says, yes, well, the thing is, we've got some people from America for dinner tonight. Who is it, darling? It's a Mr. Death or something. He's come about the reaping. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we need any at the moment. No one ever does. (laughs) No. Boss, I'm on moose. That's all I remember. Amazing. Um, (gasps) What? The salmon moose. That's what you do when Ah, people point out. Everyone gasps. Yeah. That was in, uh, there was Salmon Moose also present in, uh, in this novel as well. No, th- that was what I was saying oh, earlier. That's, is there, that's what, I see. There's a call out in The Hogfather to the Salmon Moose, which I believe is an homage to Monty Python. Got it. Got it. Um, I, I really enjoyed all the characters. Um, Susan was great. Now I feel like I need to go back and read the other three uh, previous death novels to get like her full backstory. <laughs> What? That's how you get into the Discworld, right? Is you That's find out like, you. oh wait, there's three other death novels. I have to read those. I must read them. I must read them. Ho ho ho. Uh, yeah, the characters were really funny. Um, the only thing I didn't get, and maybe you can explain this to me, and everyone's gonna laugh at me. When is it the dean? Is it Ridcully? When one of the guys at the university, when one of the professors at the the uh, wizards goes into the blocked off bathroom Mm. at the end of the novel Mm. and the organ is playing and he turns the pipes. Mm. What (laughs) happens? What is the insinuation? Is it that he gets like a giant enema? I think that's kind of the idea. Something in that, that area of thinking is, is, is the right. I I think it's left to your imagination. (laughs) Well, that's uh, where my brain went. Yeah, okay. and and and, but it's it's definitely something like that. Yeah. Okay. But didn't that happen earlier in the novel too? Did multiple wizards get an enema? I think it happened earlier, also. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, and then there's a question of did he know that or not, and mm. was this the comeuppance uh, for his <laughs> hubris? The comeuppance. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I also didn't really understand why the wizards were in the book well oh why the wizards like the, yeah like the the uh oh well i guess because the universe hex yeah because hex kind of solves the problem with yeah. death at the end but like and they figure out what's going on with the the the, the gods that are being true. called into existence true. so i think there are perspective on that side of things but death already knew why it was happening. Yeah. Well, but that's what I mean. Like, if you just have death go, well, this is why it's happening. That's not very mm-hmm. interesting. So you need to be like, well, death knows, but we don't know as the reader. So the wizards kind of help us play out that side of it as we figure it out. I also really liked the death of rats. Oh, yeah. The death of rats was great. Squeak. Squeak. <laughs> um, I like the raven a lot. Although I found it very strange that at the end, the raven didn't get tea time's glass eye. Like after oh, all that's a good that point. I hadn't wanting, thought about that. You're right. He was get, getting false eyes the whole uh-huh. story. And at the I, end, he actually has an opportunity to yeah. get an eyeball. Why didn't he Not take it? Not a real one. No, Still. the kids play with it like a marble. Uh-huh. 
But I don't think the raven gets it. The raven gets the sheep. Mm-hmm. Well, better. Which was, that's, you know, way better. That's a better deal anyway. <laughs> we have a lot of ravens in our stories in Sword and Laser, too. That's true. That's true. This is one of the better ravens. We'll have for to do sure. some Poe one day. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Do you have any other final thoughts? Was this your first time reading it or was this a second read through? It was my first time reading Hogfather. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised that I love the banter because it's Pratchett, of course. Right, right. Uh, but it was what was great was how Christmassy it was without ever once using the word Christmas. Mm hmm. Or anything directly related to Christmas. There's there's lots of stand-ins for Christmas, and I I adored his Terry Pratchett's facility with being able to evoke all the wonderful things about Christmas time without using any of the actual things from Christmas time, and 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 sort of playing up the hypocrisy of the season while mm-hmm, still celebrating mm-hmm. it. Like it never felt mean. It never felt felt low spirited. Uh, it always felt like you know we've all thought this. We've all understood it. And even if it's true, it's it's still funny, and we can still have a good time and focus on what is important uh, about enjoying one another's company and being thankful and all of that sort of thing. So it, it wasn't overly cynical. I, and that's one of the things about Terry Pratchett that I love is he's able to, to poke fun at things and show hypocrisy without, without making you despair. Right. You, well, yeah. you, you, you still feel positive about stuff. I mean, the whole kind of like the central point of the book is like humans, we believe and yeah. that's what makes us special. Right. And but so it's being not, able to, it's not overly mystical. Mm hmm. Right. And it's showing, you know, like blind belief is is not good either. Uh, but, you know, sort of sort of thinking beyond the box is good. Um, his his way of writing kids in this is just amazing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I've ever noticed it as much in the other things I've read from him. Uh, but, yeah, he, he gets kids for sure. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, ki- kids are the worst. <laughs> like, yeah. they're wonderful, but they're also the worst because they're just little people. What do they say? Like it's it's like the the wonderful sound of of children playing until you figure out what they're, what actually, they're actually saying. saying. Yes, <laughs> so true. I was like, yeah, it sounds that that checks out. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying kids are bad. I'm saying like kids kids can be awful sometimes without even knowing that they're being awful. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're just they're they're adorable, wonderful, lovable little shits. Their imagination has no bounds. Yeah. Pretty much. Much to their parents' consternation sometimes. Yeah. Um, What was the other quote I liked? Um, Susan's asking about the the Hogfather's red suit. And she's like, I thought they they, like figured out that the red suit was never a thing, that it didn't really exist. Like, and then death is like, no, they remembered. Or like, it was like they, they, I'm not phrasing it right. But then they remembered it was, it was right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, they, they didn't think that it was real. It wasn't, it wasn't that it wasn't ever real. It was that they, yeah. Anyway. It, 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 It was, it was real and they forgot it was real and therefore thought it wasn't real. Right. Yeah. It was kind of what I, the way I took it anyway. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of really great stuff in there. Definitely recommend the audiobook. Um, I think I, it would be fun to, to go back and give it a listen next year, too, in its entirety. I might, I mean, now that I own the audiobook, I just might make this part of my routine. I read A Christmas Carol every year mm-hmm. uh, because I just love the message of that book, that story. It's not even really a book. It's more of a mm-hmm. short story, but uh, or a novella, I guess. Um, 
but yeah, I might I might add Hogfather in there too. It, nice. it really helped me kick off the spirit of the season. Excellent. And speaking of the spirit of the season, um, we're going to be gone for a little bit. I think we're going to have like we're going to miss an episode, I believe. Yes. So uh, normally an episode would fall on January 1st. Right. But of course, we will be celebrating the birth of of the baby new year. Yes. Um, And uh, and and so uh, the next week is CES, (laughs) which I I cover the Consumer Electronics Show. So uh, we'll have to figure out if we record then uh, early or if we just wait till the 15th. And I think I think what we settled on last time we talked was we we would just have to miss the January 1st episode Mm -hmm. and the 15th will be our next sword and laser. Yep. So, but keep up the conversations over on Goodreads. Yeah. Talk about the new book pick, uh, give you a little extra time to get, to get through the book this month, which will be good because people will probably be doing holiday stuff or be busy otherwise. Um, you know, let us know what else you're reading too over the holidays. I think that's always fun to, it's a fun time to, to pick up random things. I've been reading some nonfiction. I finished, um, yeah, I know. I read, uh, uh, never split the difference. It's a book on negotiation tactics mm. from this guy, Chris Voss, who was a hostage negotiator for the FBI. This sounds like product manager stuff. A little bit. Like your product has become hostage and you have to negotiate it back. It's more like you have to convince people to do things. <laughs> right. Your, yeah. pro- your, your product has become hostage to people who don't want to work on it. And then you go <laughs> negotiate them into working on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> perfect or something um, like that i don't know i don't know anything about product management well you did a video on it yeah is it all right because i got all the content from you and your team so that's <laughs> true. i didn't i didn't have to know anything about it that's true so i guess if it's not right it's on us um spreading falsitudes all right but if you want to get in touch with us say hello our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com our website is swordandlaser.com oh and our show is entirely funded by you our patrons and you can learn more about our patreon over at patreon.com slash sword and laser if you want to help support the show you can also support the show by buying books through our links. It's like a little sword and laser bookstore. You can just mm-hmm. browse through the page. Uh, it goes back years worth of books that we've talked about on the show, including, of course, always our, our most current picks. Uh, so go check it out, swordandlaser.com slash picks. We'll see you in the baby new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Goodbye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!